This episode is sponsored by The Athletic Brewing Company, which makes yummy non-alcoholic beer. Now, before you disparage non-alcoholic beer, consider this. During the 2020 International Beer Challenge, The Athletic Brewing Company won Brewer of the Year for North America, and they only make non-alcoholic beer. Enjoy the refreshing taste of craft beer without the alcohol or the hangover or the beer belly. Last year, Athletic Brewing donated over $300,000 to trail restoration projects. With Athletic Brewing, you can even drink and drive. When the cop pulls you over for driving too slowly, you can say, Dude, I was just chilling, drinking beer. Non-alcoholic beer, that is. Although you can't order beer by mail, you can order non-alcoholic beer by mail. So go to athleticbrewing.com, use the promo code WANDERLEARN20 to get 20% off your first order. Buy at least two six-packs so you can get free shipping. That's WANDERLEARN20 with no spaces to get 20% off. Welcome to the WANDERLEARN podcast. I'm your host, Francis Tafan. Today, I have Eli Rupcheva. How are you? From Bulgaria. Hey. Hi, Francis. So you and I met in the most oddest of ways, a little bit more than 10 years ago, I suppose, in a tiny town called Turkincha in Bulgaria. <laughs> Just picture this for those who've never been there. Of course, nobody who's listening to this besides you and me have ever been to Turkincha. I don't think anybody has ever been there. I was running through the fields and this is a classic, I, in my mind, you can tell me, a classic Bulgarian village, would you say? Yes. Very yeah, classic. very classic Bulgarian village. So there's a lot of older people running around. There's some farmers. They've got like sheep, right? Yeah. Goats. And there's farmland everywhere. It's quiet. It's peaceful. Very, very rural, right? Yeah. Yes. Super right. rural. And then all of a sudden, I see you. A blonde, pretty woman with a German shepherd dressed in very modern clothing, like and not like village Crocs. clothing. Crocs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Crocs too. That's right. Um, and it was like, it was like, wait, what happened here? It's like completely, you look completely out of place. You look about as out of place as I looked out of place. You probably looked at me and said, who the fuck is this guy? I did. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. And you spoke English so well. And, and anyway, and in the end, uh, we, we hung out for a couple of days and then you went back to Sofia, the capital of Bulgaria. Now, you tell us about why you were in Turkincha. Uh, I was visiting my parents and I didn't have a, an apartment in Sofia to live in. So as uh, I recently came back from Australia where I lived, um, I had to stay somewhere. So Turkincha was my only option. Then when I left to for Sofia, I stayed with my brother until we bought another apartment in Sofia. You made some really, really great insights uh, on my book. I quoted you extensively you in did. The Hidden Thank Europe. You. you had written a, a paper called To What Extent Is the Development of the Country Dependent on Its National Culture? Mainly, I think you focused mainly on Bulgarian culture. It was a 96-page college thesis that you wrote for the for uh, Denmark's... Uh, University. My master's thesis. I remember I had to compare Danish culture to Bulgarian culture, but then I think I did it too, too long, like I was comparing Western and Eastern Europe. And that's why it fits so well in your book. Right, exactly. And so what I want to do, you had made so many insightful comments about Bulgaria at that time. I want to reread some of them and see which ones are still applicable still things that you would repeat and say, yep, it's nothing's changed, stay the same, or things in some cases you might say, 
oh no, things have changed quite a bit and they're continuing to move in a different direction. So sure. Sounds great. And so, but, but before we do that, um, I want to just get a little bit more update on your life. Um, so, so you went back to Sophia and at that time you were kind of debating whether should I go to Australia, whether I should stay in Bulgaria. In the end, you decide to stay in Bulgaria. Yeah. And why is that? Uh, because um, after having so many difficulties extending my visa in Australia, finding a job as an Eastern European, you know, it's not that easy to, to get a work permit in most of the countries around the world. Even though we were part of the European Union, we weren't part of Schengen, the Schengen zone. So I had great difficulties uh, getting work permits for most of the English speaking countries, including Australia. So I came back to Bulgaria. Weather was as nice as Australia. Uh, seaside was as nice as Australia. Um, I found this sweet guy at the time, my ex-boyfriend who, who intrigued me. Um, I easily found a job, uh, started seeing my friends again, like my old friends, uh, reunited with them. So suddenly I saw a better life, an easier life, uh, you know, living in my country. So decided to stay. And I think that's a good thing for your country, because one of the things you pointed out was that many of the most talented people of Bulgaria leave the country and go elsewhere. True. Yes. Um, maybe I'm a little bit different than those people because I had the great support, a great support from my family. They did help me establish my life here, like helped me with buying an apartment, a car. So so I had their support. And that's easier than um, other Bulgarians who don't have families who can support them. Right. But a lot of people who have that kind of family support use that family support to get the fuck out of their country. True. That's true. I know a girl <laughs> who lives in New York on her father's Bulgarian salary. Right. There you go. And, and, and it's constant. I mean, they go, they go to Denmark to go and get educated and then they get married to a, a Danish guy or whatever. And then they just stay there or they don't even or they or they use their family connections or money to in order to get the work permits that are so hard to get. Etc. I mean, they find a way to not be in the country. Okay, so you had written, Bulgaria has a culture of stagnation. It, I'm quoting you, by the way. It's the opposite of modern cultures characterized by movement and the search for future opportunities. Successful Bulgarians follow principles, values, and practices that are not typical of Bulgaria. So would you still say that Bulgaria has a culture of stagnation or, or is, there, is it characterized by movement nowadays and search for future opportunities? I can certainly see some movement, but only in one area, unfortunately, only one for now. Uh, and this is the um, IT companies and IT inventions, like everything that is connected to software development. Um, all other industries in Bulgaria are still stagnated. People are still um, very old fashioned, not looking for uh, innovation or improvement. I know that Ukraine has a lot of developers of course russia does too for software yeah. stuff and and a lot of american companies and european countries uh also hire these eastern european programmers because they're very talented and also very inexpensive yes so that's true and that so i didn't know so much i mean it makes sense that bulgaria would also be part of that movement i, I always think of ukraine and russia 
but I'm sure Bulgaria has talented programmers as well. We do have, and we have mathematicians and people speaking foreign languages. Workforce is inexpensive, that's true. And we're becoming um, something like an IT hub for Eastern Europe. Like we have a lot of BPO, business process uh, um, organizations and outsourcing and IT development companies. Um, Are there any famous Bulgarians, name brand Bulgarians that we sh- that people might know and don't realize that they're Bulgarians? I know that the creator of Robin Hood is Bulgarian. Oh, there you go. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's, that's it. And so, and t- do you know his story? Like he was born where in Bulgaria and when did he leave? I think he left Bulgaria when he was a young boy, when he was okay. five. He stayed there, studied there. So uh, he's basically American. If he left at five, he wouldn't even have a Bulgarian accent. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't have only his parents. <laughs> So you said that Bulgarians need to stop looking back at past glories. Mm-hmm. Are they still looking back on their past glories? Not as much as before. I think now they're in the that uh, state of being a bit lost, trying to find their way. They see that uh, that uh, our country is opening. Like suddenly they they have uh, better salaries, better lifestyle, better way of life, access to to foreign lands. They can travel anywhere. Um, as you know, for us r- right now, it's very easy to get a visa for the United States or Canada or anywhere in the world, basically. Oh, now you say that you need to stop pointing you as in Bulgarians should stop pointing their fingers away from ourselves. We we blame the great forces for hurting us during the 20th century. We blame our problems on geography, which supposedly lacks natural resources. You also said that Bulgarians who live under communism sometimes believe that your status comes from your origin, your education, your connections, and so on, and not from established abilities and actual achievements. That is still valid. Uh, what is your job right now? You're in human resources? I'm in human resources in a software development company. Okay, and so what are the challenges that you face? Because you had written, managers and Bulgarians prefer loyal employees Mm -hmm. to self-confident professionals with their own opinion. We should stop educating our children the way our grandfathers did. We should reform the Bulgarian educational system, which makes children conformist and unable to think independently. But anyway, the first sentence there was managers and Bulgarians prefer loyal employees to self-confident professionals with their own opinion. Is that true as a human resources person? Do you find that challenging? From my point of view now, I think that's a challenge for every manager, no matter the country. Yes, you do need extraordinary workers. You need people who can think freely. But at the same time, you need people who can um, follow rules and they can follow uh, one person's decision. What I'm trying to get at is whether this issue of loyalty is also a big deal. And I don't think there's a single country in the world. I've been to 123 countries and I've never seen a country where connections don't matter in getting a job. Everywhere you need connections to get a job. I mean, it's very few. There's no country, I think, that there's a true 100% meritocracy. That doesn't mean you can't get a job in America without knowing somebody. Of course you can. Many people do. But it often helps. And so I imagine, and I think as, as the poorer the country gets, the more important connections become. That's at least my theory. I don't know how true that is. But it's. I know, for example, in Africa... It doesn't matter if you're Einstein, you will not get a job unless your uncle works at the factory or whatever. Um, so how, do, how is that evolving in Bulgaria? Do you think it's is it becoming more of a meritocracy with time? 
It's still true for um, every area around, um, outside of Sofia. For Sofia, this is so not true. We're so understaffed. We don't have enough employees. And there is, um, I would say that there is about 1% unemployment in my city for uh, at the moment. Yeah, I'm basically fighting with a thousand more companies to hire a person. So we, we have, we don't have the luxury to look for connections. We just have to find the people to work for us. So we are fighting companies are actually fighting for um, employees. Unfortunately, outside of Sofia, it's still like the old way. It's still. Wow. That's amazing. That I mean, that's amazing. a fantastic problem to have in sense for the country, at least in the capital, because we're recording this still during the covid crisis we're right at the edge of the beginning of 2021 and you would think that covid has made so much unemployment not in sofia so what so tell us about that uh tell us about how uh the whole covid crisis has affected bulgaria it affected only certain businesses like restaurants and bars I'm sorry for those people, really, but they can find a job in any other company which is looking for for some sort of specialist to work on computers. This is mostly the job we have in Sofia at the moment in offices, in front of a computer, um, either customer service or some sort of uh, quality assurance, quality checks or software development or recruitment or some sort of business processing, like all those. How often is it that you need to speak English? For me, not that often, but okay. most of the other companies are foreign tech companies who outsource their business in Bulgaria. So 99% of the time in your office, you're speaking Bulgarian? Yes. Okay, got it. And and that a lot of this boom is not coming from the foreigners hiring Bulgarians like crazy. It's Bulgarians hiring Bulgarians. Yes, Bulgarian companies, they started as a startup, the classic way. They became uh, big enough to sell themselves to foreign companies, to bigger foreign companies. This is great news. I mean, it's to me, it sounds fabulous. Um, but you're saying it just doesn't trickle down to the countryside and to the smaller villages, not villages, but cities like Varna or... Um, Veliko Tornovo, those places yes. like that. The only benefit they have from what's going on in Sofia is right now with the home office getting so popular, people who work in Sofia but came from other cities went back to their hometowns to stay there and work from home. So they spent their salaries coming from Sofia to those small towns and give them life. That's the only benefit I see. Wow. And how long has this employment boom been going on? Oh my God, uh, more than more than six years. Okay. Okay. So, wow. So that's something that definitely changed dramatically since you and I last talked. Yes. Since you left Bulgaria, for example, I remember Hewlett Packard, the company came to Sofia and opened 4,000 vacancies only in Sofia. Wow. And then wow. they continued growing and many so, more companies came. So the lesson from this is clear. It's that I was causing the recession. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Once Francis got the fuck out of the country, everything got so much better. I <laughs> and wish don't we, come back. Yeah. I wish we created the, the, the IT hub should be in Turkinja. Should be the oh, center yeah, of the yeah, world. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> um, okay, so you also said that the educational system makes children conformist and unable to think independently. As, you know, and you compared it to Denmark. Yeah. And in Denmark, sorry, in Bulgaria, they're em emphasized memorizing information and that pupils almost fear their teachers. 
you said, quote, if you're an ambitious or a serve student, that's a negative. Is that still true? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it is still true. What changed is uh, students are not afraid of their teachers anymore. They don't respect education and school. And since there is such a small unemployment rate in Sofia, uh, you find a job without uh, without higher education. So you just need to, to graduate your high school and you can easily find a job. So less people going to universities. What about corruption in the schools? You had said that back then you said that people, in order to pass an exam, you have to read the teacher's book. You have to buy the teacher's book. The teacher makes money off the book. But by the way, this I saw this in many other countries in the world, so it's not unique to Bulgaria. But would you say that and and that you can buy a degree practically in so, in some cases? Are those characteristics still true? Yes, still true. <laughs> Got it. Okay. You had asked, why are Bulgarians often late to meetings? Why do cars not give way to pedestrians? You asked rhetorically, why are some Western management techniques ineffective at Bulgarian? And why is teamwork difficult in Bulgaria? And I said, well, okay, why? And then you said, because we believe there's a loser in every deal. One survey showed, you said, 93% of Bulgarians believe that it's impossible to have a win-win situation when two parties participate in a deal. This shows the communist legacy and mentality where everything was at it was a state expense. Also, a large part of the Bulgarian population does not believe that honest and hard work pays off. So, those are a lot of things. What? How would you look back at what you said and say, does it still apply today? With great sadness in my heart, I would say that it still applies today. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's part of our culture. <laughs> wow. You got to okay. love it or hate it. That's it. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Because you would think that in a booming economy where it's relatively easy to find a job and, and employers are hiring, hiring, that people would start seeing things as a win-win situation where um, hard work and honest work pays off and that you know it's a mer- becomes more of a meritocracy and that teamwork becomes better because all of a sudden you're like hey wow you're getting rich i'm getting rich well hey this is great and but you're saying no <laughs> no no and now since they have so many choices um uh for for hiring uh, they would leave a company for a couple of bucks more you know adding wow. added to the salary so yeah right what about is the tardiness still an issue? Because I imagine that usually when a society becomes richer and more capitalistic, time becomes money. And so people don't become don't go late to meetings anymore. I went to Chile many times when I was growing up. And back then it was really a low income country and people were the classic Latino always late to meetings. And then when it went through a boom cycle through the 80s, especially the 1990s, then my cousin told me, that when he went to a meeting, the guy looked at his watch and says, you're three minutes late. And he said that the culture had changed dramatically, that all of a sudden now time is money and you need to be on time to all the meetings. But is that true in Bulgaria? We are more punctual now. Uh, Probably I never had work experience in Bulgaria when I wrote that passage. So now I see people come on time and people, people just come a little bit late for work. They don't like fixed working hours. I don't know what's the drama with that. I still don't get it. But that's the only that's the only minus I see. Usually they are quite punctual when they work and they're getting paid. Okay, that's good. 
you also said, I quote, we're suspicious of others. We trust no one except our family and our closest friends. That's why Bulgarian firms are relatively small and why private firms are mostly family businesses. Another reason our companies are small is that we're intolerant of uncertainty and stress. How about that? Still true. Except if uh, if the uh, creator of the company, if the owner of the company is a young person who is brave enough like to, you know, to break all the rules, all the Bulgarian rules and try to do something different. I've seen that in my company. I imagine. Oh, so your company founder is a relatively young person? Very young. Yes. Oh, okay. How old is he or she? Uh, he's 30 now. Oh, wow. Really young. Yeah. Yeah. He's a little baby. Um, so how did he start his company? Working hard in software development, uh, uh, hiring the right people to work for him, loyal people, people he knew for a long time and people he could trust. That's the core team. That's kind of what goes back to what you were saying earlier, which yes. is we trust no one except our family and our closest friends. And so, yeah. And so uh, how big is the company now? A number of employees? 160. All right. So you said that, quote, Bulgaria is still has a culture of collectivism, not individualism. Bulgarians care about what others think. It's a culture of shame and we live in the past. So would you say that it's still a culture of collectivism, not individualism? Yes. Okay. And that you still have a nostalgia for socialism, which you also mentioned? People uh, dislike socialism. They hate it or they pretend they hate it. I... I wouldn't say they miss it. I don't because uh, I'm working. I'm living and working around young people. I don't think they know what socialism is right now. How can they not know what socialism is from? I mean, even Americans have an opinion about socialism and think they know what socialism is, even though we've never really had hardcore socialism in America. So Bulgaria had hardcore socialism, communism, really. And so why wouldn't they have any idea? I mean, don't they teach that in the history books? No. No, because if you say you something about socialism, people will be like, oh, so you support the Russians, so you're a bad person. <laughs> or really? Uncool, they consider or not Russia cool. today socialist? Yes, they do. Okay, okay. all right. Uh, but I thought the Russian and Bulgarian relations have historically been pretty healthy. Uh, not lately, ever since we joined NATO and the European Union. Uh, we're much more pro-American, pro-German, pro-Western Europe. Okay. All right. That's interesting. That's got to be a, a tug of war, a, a kind of a struggle internally, because I imagine there's a natural affinity to the Slavic people. Yeah, old, old people still support and have nostalgia for old times and Russians. Um, young people like everything that's pro-American. <laughs> okay. All right. Interesting. And Canadian. Don't forget those Canadians. <laughs> yeah, they're very no neutral. Very right. nice country. <laughs> exactly, right. right. Um, so you said that there was a British survey years ago, so therefore it had to be at least 15 years ago, that showed that Bulgarians are the one of the least motivated workforces in the world. Now that you work in HR, would you stand by that statement or would you say now we're no longer the one of the least motivated workforces? We're not very motivated, unfortunately, and m motivating an employee is one of my biggest uh, challenges. Give me an uh, example, then. Give me an example. Give me a, like a story of somebody maybe you had to fire or whatever. I don't know that you 
that was that you struggled to motivate? Oh my God, they're constantly complaining about something. Either it's the work time, they don't like it, or it's uh, it's uh, the breakfast in the office, which we um, give them for free from time to time, or the computers, or that we work on uh, Windows and not something else, or that they don't like their work phones, or they want um, better lights. They're constantly complaining about something. So you need to know every employee individually, and that's my job, in order to be able to find a way to provide what is more is most important for them so they will be motivated to stay because obviously money is not an issue anymore because if they don't like our payment they will go to many they can go to many other companies and find a better payment right right so now they they want uh, home office all the time less working hours uh, 40 work hours per week is too too long for them too much so they want less they want to have uh, but i guess that that's that applies to many other countries. Okay, so you said that there were three types of Bulgarians in your paper. First, mm -hmm. there are those like yourself who are modern and believe in the market economy. Second, there are those who are some who are nostalgic for the tranquility and security of the sham socialist welfare. And third, some who have basically returned to 19th century to self-sufficiency through agriculture, natural exchanges, and reciprocal services. Notice that the horses and the oxen plow many fields in Turkincha. It's like we're going backwards. Um, the world is changing fast, but Bulgaria's culture is too conservative to keep up. How do you still think those, I imagine those three types of people still exist in Bulgaria, but is the pie shifting? Is the, the concentration of one or the other shifting at all? I don't think it's shifting. We're still, um, our rural um uh, places are still very underdeveloped. There's still um, no modern. There is no modernization there. They still use their horses and donkeys, you know, to plow. Um, so you've been. To, when's the last time you went to Turkincha, the the little village we met? Two two months ago. Okay, and basically, if I were to come back there, like eleven years later or whatever it was, it would would it look more or less the same to me? I imagine. Exactly the same. Okay, but here's the question, though, is I remember one thing that was interesting when I went to Turkinja and completely unexpected, almost as unexpected as meeting you there, was meeting these British people. There were several British families that had moved there. I imagine they're still there, or, have there, or are there more British people who have come there, or it's about the same? It's strange. Those British people left, but new British people came in their houses, like they're on a rotation. <laughs> oh, and there are new two new families from Sofia who moved to Turkincha buying houses from the Brits. I guess there's some that's something to do with Brexit. Maybe Brits went back to England just in case. But uh, yeah, so people from Sofia moved to Turkincha now. So you have a net decline in British population in Turkincha. Yes. Net decline. Okay, so. But interesting. Well, I imagine the villagers have to say that the reason there is this kind of rotation of Brits is that they're, in fact, all spies for the British government. And they're just coming and checking out what the exciting farmers are doing in the fields of Bulgaria. And what is this special place called, Turkincha? <laughs> exactly. I mean, come on, tell me. Like, in between, like, whispers, there's got to be people who are saying, like, they're coming, they're going, they're coming, they're going. They must be like spies. They just have a job and their job is to like spy on us. 
There's you know, Eastern Europeans love conspiracy theories, so that's got to be one of them. They do, but now we saw that uh, Brits actually like drinking, so they can't come for the cheap booze. And now it's no secret, <laughs> there are no spies. <laughs> Just cheap beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Biera. <laughs> Pivo. Is it Pivo? Uh, yeah, Biera or Pivo. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, Bulgarians, they do have their, like, these big bottles. It's not like American bottles of beer. It's like these, which are tiny uh, in comparison. But Bulgaria, it's like you get, like, what is it, a liter or one and a half liters? Now you can get two and a half only for the price of two fifty. <laughs> of, of how much is it? $2.50, you mean, or what? Eleven. Or euros. Oh, that's, that, that's two euros for, for two liters and a half. That is amazing. So that's <laughs> insane. a little bit... <laughs> A little bit more than a dollar. Uh, sorry, t- a little bit more than two dollars. Wow, maybe two dollars fifty cents. Let's say. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Okay, so you said that there's quote Bulgarians prefer to manage everything by pulling strings through illegal ways. This shows up in how we manage business relations. Bulgarians have a negative attitude towards entrepreneurs, believing that no one gets rich. In an honest way. We look for excuses for our troubled life. We buy into conspiracy theories. It's a mess. We need a cultural revolution. So is it true that things that they love to manage things by pulling strings and do it through illegal ways still? I imagine so, right? Yes, but now I know why. Because the system is broken. Made this way. Yeah. It just mm. it's expected from you. If you want to have a business. You have to do what you just mentioned in order to have your business. There is no other way. Right. So no, it's, it's, it's not it's, people's fault. Well, it is. It is some, I would say to some extent. I mean, I remember when I was traveling in Africa where corruption is rife, I would go to places and literally it's very, very almost impossible to do anything, not anything, but many things just, it's just expected. Like, of course you got to pay this guy some bakshish, some you know, payoff and whatever. It just... Otherwise, you, you, if you if you try to do it the honest way, you could wait for six months instead of six days. Exactly. But I would say that the population is complicit because obviously, if there was an internal revolution to just say "basta," enough is enough. We want to stop taking this. We stop doing this. I mean, it's easier said than done, of course. But I mean, in other words, they're complicit, right? There won't be a revolution anytime soon about that, and uh, it's not it's not that bad. Like. I mean, I can see now corruption is um, you have to know someone or you have to pay not a big amount of money. It's not right. as corrupt as I thought it was. Okay. All right. Interesting. So it's kind of like giving somebody in America, for example, we give tips to every fucking person around. I mean, tips are like part of the culture here. And in some ways, quote unquote, corruption is a tip. I see it as you being grateful to someone who did something for you in a nice way. Yes and no, but I, I, you, I don't know if you remember, because you visited America, right? Yes. So yeah. you, I, I don't know how Canadian culture is, if it's any different, but in America, you, you're not, it's not just like you're grateful, you're giving somebody a tip. In, for example, dining situations, if you do not give at least 15%, you are seen as a complete and total asshole. Mm-hmm. So it's not just like, you know, the meal is $50 and then you're just giving $51. Forget it. If you do that, the waiter's going to look at you like a demon. Like, what the hell? What did I do wrong to you? 
uh, it's so in other words, a lot of tips, same thing with a taxi cab. If you take a taxi, uh, a traditional taxi, not an Uber, uh, that you're just expected to give a tip. And there's um, like a doorman in the hotel. You, if you, if he takes your bags up to the next floor and you don't give him a tip, that's absurd. Yeah, yeah. It, you can say it's it's a bit similar. Yeah. Again, I have I haven't lived amongst Bulgarians, but I just know in Africa, for example, there's this kind of a culture that it's it's not much money, but I get eventually you just get used to it. But would you say that let's say you're 30 year old entrepreneur? Do people think that he got there in a dishonest way, like very dishonest way? Or do they they think, oh, wow, like in America, like in Silicon Valley, if a 30 year old entrepreneur, you know, creates a great startup like Instagram or whatever, we applaud him and we say, hey, great. Nobody sits there and say, oh, he's all corrupt, you know, terrible person, you know. They don't, we're not jealous in that sense. Well, some people might be jealous, but they won't say he got there all through corruption. Is, how about yeah. Bulgaria? Here it's more like, oh, this guy sh- must be a puppet of someone else who gave him money to do this. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> I imagine it is very hard for somebody who's very young to work up the ranks without having some serious pull. I mean, no? Yeah, but I guess it's manageable because uh, I can see many, many people, many startups um, starting from very young people. So I guess they manage to do this and they survive and they don't mind it. Okay. okay. They just play the game. One other thing you wrote, you said Bulgaria must realize that real welfare is in future opportunities. The more we open ourselves to the world and to new things, the better we will use these opportunities. We should consider globalization as an opportunity, not as a threat. Only this way can our culture and nation prosper. Is globalization still an opportunity? Is it, Now is it an opportunity or is it is still a threat? Now it's an opportunity. Now we saw that uh, foreign investments uh, create good things in our country. So we applaud it. We like it. Now it's totally different. Fantastic. Well, congratulations there. What other things have you, have you noticed, by the way, that has changed fairly significantly in the last 10 years that come to mind things that you would you would d- use to describe bulgaria today ellie more people living abroad and coming back to bulgaria realizing that they have better opportunities here lifestyle is is good here as long as you have a, a good job in one of the modern companies you know or in sofia or in unfortunately you have to work in the three uh, developing industries at the moment to be able to live nice and be able to travel and live like the, you know, like the Western societies, which is IT, pharmaceuticals, and the third, third one would be mining and construction, I would say. Um, everything connected to agriculture uh, or having sheep or animals, you know, is um, something that uh, it's not that profitable or still belongs to corrupt organizations. Mm. There hasn't been like an industrialization of the agricultural field. Like, for example, in America, much of the agricultural world is like they've become big corporations, mega huge companies that control vast tracts of land because that's the only way to make really big money. That hasn't still, happened. No, no, it's not. Right. It's still like a little small operation of just a small family or whatever. Yeah. Right. That makes it hard. 
there's a book called The Virtues of the Bulgarian Person. He said that Bulgarians need rules and laws to feel safe and protected, but they dislike obeying them. <laughs> yes, still so valid. This is so true. <laughs> <laughs> um, a Germ uh, 100 years ago, a German traveler noted, we haven't seen another nation that creates so many laws and abides by them so little. Yes, laws are meant <laughs> to be broken. <laughs> but, um, they, is there kind of this idea that they expect the other side to lie and cheat in almost every act activity? Kind of very cynical? Yeah, probably. And I think it's like, in general, they just like to, to be dissatisfied and to blame external events for what's not good in their lives. Mm, yeah, that's a, also a human trait, of course. I mean, yes. a lot of humans yeah. do that. Um, but some some cases it might be more uh, prominent than others. I mean, in other, certain nations, of course, have this external focus. I think also in small countries, that's especially prevalent sometimes because they're economically overpowered by their big neighbors. Like if you're Estonia, for example, and you're right next to Russia, it's easier to have like this idea that Russia is kind of manipulating your whole country, um, yeah. even though, of course, Estonia has been doing very well. The reaction to COVID, by the way, can you tell, talk a little bit about that? How has it been? shutdowns oh. or no shutdowns <laughs> well first we didn't believe it then we thought it was it had something to do with conspiracy then <laughs> <laughs> then <Yes>. it's <laughs> it was russia then bill gates then the states then the world uh, health organization then yeah <laughs> uh then uh, things got serious very serious like we started seeing people dying no well people still are not uh, abiding the the mitigation, like they don't like wearing masks, they don't li like wearing gloves or social distancing. So here you go, you you give them the rules, and still they don't follow. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Um, but it, so as far as Europeans, would you say that Bulgaria is about average as far as deaths per capita? Yeah, quite average. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There was a worldwide survey done of ten years ago where Bulgarians on average had 55 days off. This was reported in The Economist magazine because they added up holidays, vacation days, sick leave, that kind of stuff. They added it all up and Bulgarians had more than any other major country. 55 days, that's nearly two months. It's true. My husband still doesn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, because you, you're entitled to maybe more than 30 sick days per year which is a lot, even maybe 35, 40, then uh, you, have, uh, you can have from 20 to 30 paid days off, depending on the company you work for. And then you have all the bank holidays and it adds up to 60 days per year, holidays. That's amazing. Amazing. I'm going to come to Bulgaria right? to quote-unquote work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to, <laughs> there was that old, habit, that old saying, uh, they pretend to pay us and we pretend to work. My favorite. This is so true. Like, you know, for example, I've always been impressed by um, the American movies. Like when, when someone starts a new job, they are trying everything possible to prove themselves to the employer, to see how good they are, how well they're doing. Um, in Bulgaria, it's, not, it's the opposite. Like they, first they want to be appreciated. They want to get a raise and they, they will show you what they've got. 
Uh, I don't know where that's coming from, really. I have to, I have to dive into that more. Oh God, that's amazing. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) To me, like you say, it's so natural that when you come to a new workforce, you got to work your ass off those first few months because you need to prove yourself. Of course, Uh, (laughs) but it's not here. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'm like, why do I only have two months off? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What are the, what are the things speaking about your husband? He's Canadian, right? Yes. So uh, tell me some things that he's still scratching because he's been living in Bulgaria for how long now? Uh, 10 months. Okay. So it's still relatively fresh. What Mm -hmm. are things that he's like scratching his head and he's just like, I just don't get one of the things of course is this two months vacation or not vacation, but paid time off and all that stuff. But what are the things just kind of drive him fucking crazy? Oh, not much. He traveled a lot. So, but he still doesn't understand that why people are complaining that they have so much work to do when they're not utilized a hundred percent because now he works with Bulgarians. So he, he asked for giving more, more, more work, like just the opposite of the Bulgarians who try to, you know, not get mm. more. Right. Um, yeah, but that's about it. Okay. All right. So he's assimilated okay. quite nicely and he's yeah. learning Bulgarian, I guess. Uh, I'm, I'm not being a good teacher. No, I think everyone <laughs> around him wants to practice with him their English. So of course, we're not good teachers. <laughs> That's right. Um, what, uh, what do you see the future of Bulgaria for the 2020s? If we maintain the low taxes and the stable economy as it is, probably we will attract more foreign companies or maybe there will be a booming of, uh, Bulgarian um, startups that will sell to foreign companies after a couple of like, when they develop. Uh, what uh, I see is that we don't have enough uh, workforce to um, to fill all the open positions. So probably we will have to start importing people from abroad, and we'll have more foreigners living in Bulgaria than now. That yeah. will change. That could change the dynamics of things as well. It will change many things, and it will change the country. We've said a few negative things, but I definitely want to uh, mention a couple of positive things. For example, back then when I was there, there was a Gallup Suffering Index, which is a composite score based on various surveys that measure people's present and future lives. And back in 2010, Burundi. The African country, the small African country, had the worst score in the world. The second worst score on the suffering index was Bulgaria. (laughs) And the next positions were like Macedonia, Tanzania, and Serbia. And there was this kind of like the suffering index was terrible, very grim view of their lives for Bulgarians. But I think that's changed. And I think that they they would not, I, I would need to look at the index again, but I would be surprised if Bulgaria is in the top, the bottom 10 as well. Um, so what about the relation? I know that they haven't liked Turkish people for a long time. Mm -hmm. There's this tension there. I imagine that still exists. It still exists. Yeah. Okay. There's just a lot of like, ah, I hate those Turks. Neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine maybe it's even worse with Erdogan being kind of a strong, uh, quasi dictator in Bulgaria. I imagine that's, that's made it even worse. It's still the same. Okay. Nothing changed. What about your other uh, neighbors, like Romania, for example? Do you guys ever talk to the Romanians? 
Uh, we like I've seen that many Romanians came to work in Bulgaria and many Bulgarians went to Romania. I know that Romania is doing great. I was there last year. Uh, wow, Bucharest is 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 an amazing city. Like the kind of offices and buildings I saw there <laughs> were nothing like Sofia. Like they have so many. They develop very well, better than us, I think. And it has something to do with with their Latin alphabet. Yeah, that probably is true. You're right. The having the Cyrillic is makes it challenging. But I imagine if you go through the streets of Sofia, you still see Cyrillic like everywhere. Or is there? Or is, for example, like in uh, Belgrade, Belgrade, do you have in Serbia? There's this kind of struggle in the capital between Cyrillic. And the Latin characters, for example, in Croatia, it's much more Latin. They've mm -hmm. kind of given up, but the Serbians are much more proud of their Cyrillic than any other Balkan country, besides, of course, Bulgaria. Um, so, but how is it in Bulgaria now? As far as is Latin kind of infecting more and more, or not really? No, just English and Bulgarian everywhere, mostly. Okay, okay, but the Latin characters—they're not. It's not becoming like a Croatian at all. No, it's not becoming yeah. at all. Yeah, no. yeah. Amazing. All right. So, and uh, what are your future plans, Ellie? Uh, for now, you've got a we... dog. I have a dog. <laughs> I have a husband <laughs> uh, who loves Bulgarian. says says that this is the safest place on the planet, and he doesn't okay. know why people think that there is a civil war in Eastern Europe and think that it's a. Uh, 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 we are some devastated countries, you know, here in Eastern Europe. Uh, he loves it. Uh, so I think he wants to stay here. Um, I'm open to any opportunities. Like I would like to continue traveling. But for now, I'm staying because of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, also because of COVID for that matter. And that too, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, Ellie, thank you again for all your insights. And I really appreciate them. And I'm glad that overall Bulgaria has improved. It has. Fairly, fairly well for the last 10 years. Sometimes we fail to recognize that and to notice that a country has gotten better. And especially in Eastern Europe, where Eastern Europeans have a tendency just to whine and complain a lot. Actually, not yeah. just Eastern Europeans, frankly, just East Europeans in general are kind Europeans. of a whiny bunch. But compared to, let's say, North Americans uh, who tend to be a little bit more positive. I don't know, by the way, is that fair to say? I mean, you've you've been to North America. Would you say that North Americans tend to be a little bit more positive, like, yeah, 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 versus less cynical? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. But if you ask my husband, he'll say, oh, they complain all the time, those Americans. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, for me, they're so positive, you know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. On that positive note, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. And that concludes this episode of the Wander Learn podcast, where we explore travel, technology, and transformation. If you'd like to see the show notes with links to what we talked about, or if you'd like to comment on the show, or if you'd like to ask me a question, then go to wanderlearn.com and click on this episode. If you'd like to connect with me, just remember FTAPON. That's my first initial and my last name. FTAPON is the username I use on all social media. You can also get to my website by going to ftapon.com. And here's one last reason to remember FTAPON. If you like what I do and would like to get rewarded for supporting my projects, then go to patreon.com slash ftapon. That's where you can pick up some remarkable rewards for as little as $2 a month. And now for five quick favors. Number one, subscribe to the Wander Learn podcast. Two, download it. Three, share it. 
four, review it somewhere. And five, sign up for my newsletter at wanderlearn.com. Our theme music was composed by Eric Stratman. This is Francis Tapon encouraging you to wander and learn.